hospital until one o'clock in the morning. You can call them and pick up food there. Six three six nine five three three. Six three six nine five three three. Of course, United Hebrew of New Rochelle, the operating campus of visit uhgc.org. Please welcome once again. Uh, he is the managing editor and publisher of Talk of the Sound. Considered the source since 2008. Please welcome Bob Cox. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Bob. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Always a pleasure. Um, your name came up earlier today. Don't know if your ears were ringing. You did a service uh, for one of uh, the supporters of this radio station and, uh, and someone we both know, Anthony Galletta, regarding the nursing homes. And I know you have a lot to talk about, but before we do, what's your take? What, what happened here with the nursing homes, or was it just a problem that that this is the this kind of crisis just doesn't work, uh, or at least we haven't figured out a way to manage it within a nursing home environment? What's your take? Well, first of all, we don't have nearly enough information as to what's been happening at the nursing homes. Um, the Cuomo <clears throat> administration has been. Uh, unwilling to give out full sets of information. They've been getting asked about it for a long time. They finally did release some limited amount of information, but they were hiding behind uh, the HIPAA law uh, with the idea yeah. that uh, you couldn't disclose anything about a nursing home because it would violate the privacy of the patients, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, because nobody was asking for information about specific patients. Uh, although I will qualify that to say that uh, typically if uh, the amount of people involved in some piece of data is going to be five or less people, lawyers will say that that's too small a group. Um, you know. But as we've seen, there's been cases now like in Mamaroneck with Sarah Newman, they reported uh, 14 deaths and there's some places in New York City that have far more. So um, number one, we don't have a full set of data. And then, you know, what Anthony uh, discovered in, in researching the matter is that um, the nursing homes haven't been tested uh, for COVID uh, since March 21st. Instead, they've been directed by the state health department to treat everybody with a respiratory problem as if they have COVID. And uh, that raises the obvious problem that if you have the flu or just a seasonal allergy and you start coughing, they're going to stick you in a unit with COVID patients with the highly likely outcome that you're going to end up with COVID um, as a result of that. And then, of course, there's been the recent reporting that the state health department ordered nursing homes to accept COVID patients uh, into their uh, building and then... Um, there was also some questions raised about what kind of care uh, nursing homes were giving. Specifically, were they transferring patients in their care to hospitals when they became sick or not? So there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know. There's a lot of bits and pieces out there. The little bit that we do know does not paint a pretty picture. And obviously, a disproportionately large percentage of the mortality uh, you know, has been related to nursing homes. And that holds true here in New York State as well. Well, I, I think you've captured it. It's just it's it's an interesting problem because it's it's almost an ideal locale for the virus uh, to to wreak havoc, and and I think it's probably something we're going to be looking at for a long time. What's top of your queue today, Bob? Well, uh, over the weekend, I watched a new 
film uh, from HBO called Bad Education with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney, which uh, is about the uh, mm-hmm. financial scandal at Roslyn High School back uh, in 2002. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only a terrific film, but uh, will sound like an awfully familiar story to talk of the sound readers. Um, I found it to be uh, fascinating. So there's a number of aspects of that film that I'd be happy to talk about today because I think it does have applicability. I would, um, I would love it. So, so let's just start with um, the film itself. Hey, hey, say the name of the film, Bob. Say the name of the film again because I know people are going to want to watch it in their home and they have the time. Yeah, well, if you have HBO, you can see it. Um, it's called Bad Education. And like I said, it mm-hmm. stars Hugh Jackman as the superintendent of the Roslyn School System, Frank Tassone. And uh, it stars Allison Janney as the school business official. Um, altogether, uh, investigators later determined that they had embezzled over $11 million from the school district. Um, and that's back in 2002 when $11 million, uh, was real money. Right. So, um, but, uh, it, it turned out that they were spending money on things like, um, trips to Las Vegas, um, funding, uh, the superintendent's apartment with his boyfriend in the city, um, trips on the Concord to London with a different boyfriend. He was cheating on his longtime, uh, let's say, spouse with this exotic dancer in Las Vegas and flying back to there, covering tens of thousands in dry cleaning bills. The school business official took actually even more, about twice as much, about $4 million. And she was using it to finance a beach home in Florida, a beach home out in the Hamptons, um, and a range of other things. And they also had friends and family on the payroll. So there was sort of a a fake company set up um, out of uh, the superintendent's apartment in the city that his spouse uh, ran and then transferred a bunch of the money back to uh, the superintendent. Um, They put in uh, uh, the school business official's uh, niece was the accounts payable manager which was an important uh, position in this whole scam because um, a lot of the payments were going uh, to either to fake companies or uh, they were going um, overstating the amount paid. So, for example, a limousine company uh, drove uh, administrators to the airport on, on school trips and maybe took in uh, you know $10,000, but they showed it as $50,000 or um, other, other ways in which... Uh, you know, they either made up the payments uh, or they, uh, you know, inflated them significantly. So, uh, but it turned out that it was it was not just one or two people. There was dozens of people who were involved um, that were given things like school credit cards, which they were then using to buy, you know, make, make personal purchases. Um, even school board members were accepting, quote unquote, gifts like free laptops and things like that. Basically, the two main actors, the superintendent and the school business official, were keeping everybody sweet by giving away stuff to everybody while they themselves took millions. It is, it is just amazing. Now, now, was it, how long had this culture gone on, number one? And number two, at the end of the day, who did they determine was responsible for, uh, for this, for letting it go? Where were the auditors? Where were the finance people 
Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the uh, auditors obviously didn't do their job, but in their defense, <clears throat> the auditors said that their job was not mm. to uh, ferret out fraud. Their job was to look for any anomalies in the way the books balanced. That's about the simplest way I can put it. So as long as the numbers added up, they didn't go beyond that. So, for example, a school auditor would not call a vendor and say, "Did we? how much did we pay you last year? And then if it turned out it was 10000 and they showed invoices for 50000 they well, where's the other forty? That That never happened. And some changes have been made as a result of this particular case. Um, I'll take one example that should have been kind of obvious, right? There was no requirement that you had to have a dual signer on a checking account. One person could write checks. Now, that's not allowed anymore, but when New Rochelle Schools was audited about six years after Roslyn, uh, they were still uh, using single signer bank accounts in New Rochelle. So, although now, there, there was. In either case, Bob, question, question. In hmm? either case, was there a dollar limit to what you could sign for? I know in corporate America, depending on your title, you had to have, and well, the second signature was there, but if you could do something singularly, you had a real tough dollar limit. They didn't have any? Well, uh, they had financial controls, but I realized the person at the top of the food chain would be the superintendent, uh, the board, and the school business official. Well, if the school business official and the superintendent are complicit, Who's really keeping an eye on that, you know? And then the board oh, yeah. was was in the dark. And that's another topic I'd like to get into, which is uh, what was going on in the community? What was going on with the school board that they weren't asking questions about some of the behavior that should have been red flag behavior? Um, so we could talk about that too. But just in terms of being a film, you know, uh, I I think it's, you know, a very good film, so it's certainly worth watching. It's not painful to watch or anything. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty dramatic. They obviously altered uh, some things for purposes of dramatic effect. So um, while it is true that the it was actually the school newspaper that broke the story, which is amazing. Um, a bunch of the teenagers. Newspaper? Yeah, a bunch of a, a bunch of teenagers broke the story. Yeah. Um, but uh, they condensed uh, everything down into one, you know, character, a girl, who starts looking into it. But that's really more of a dramatic device to represent the sure. idea that that uh, this was being looked into by the students. Uh, but yeah, the students broke the story, and then it got picked up by Newsday, the New York Times, or whatever. And I went back and um, read this morning the reporting uh, at the time, you know, as the story was breaking, as the um, you know, as the, as, as the superintendent was still there, his name is Frank Tassone. He's still alive. He was released from prison in 2010. Um, he served about four years uh, in prison. Um, the school business official also went to prison and a number of other people were convicted. I don't have a complete count, but it was uh, over a dozen uh, people that were, were ultimately arrested. I, I don't know the disposition of all those cases. I just focused on uh, really on the superintendent and the school business official. Um, I will say at the end of the... A little background. Yeah. 
So, no, but Roslyn is a very well-to-do community too, uh, and 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 I'm just surprised that it took students to catch it. Well, as I said, we'll get into that and, and sort of what was happening with the community. But um, you know, as far as the film goes, I would say one thing jumped out at me at the very end of the film. There was uh, post credits. Said what happened to Frank Tassone. It said what happened to the school business official. Uh, etc. And then at the very end, it said that um, due to an oversight, Frank Tassone continues to receive his pension of $173,000 odd dollars every no. year. No, no, no. God. My guest is Bob Cox, the managing editor publisher of Talk of the Sound. We're talking about a movie he saw this weekend and how it resonates in so many ways. Uh, called bad education. Continue, please. Well, it uh, I, I it only jumped out at me because they called it an oversight. It's not an oversight. Um, the way the law works in New York State, um, if you're caught uh, embezzling money, or if you're an elected official and you get caught taking bribes or things like that, uh, you do not lose your pension. Uh, you can keep. I mean, you can murder somebody, and you'll keep your pension. So that is very locked in. So that's not an oversight. Um, as they say, it's it's not a bug, it's a feature. That's actually the nature of the pension system in New York State, that you cannot lose your pension no matter what. Even if you earned that pension by fraud, which this guy did because he kept getting pay increases during his time in Roslyn. He went to work there in the uh, early... Uh, well, I have the exact time here, but he worked there until two, so ninety nine to two thousand two, during which his salary doubled to about two hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. So, his pension is a you know function of his salary over the past few years, three years typically, and um, that uh, that two thirty that he was making when he left was because he was being rewarded for all these great things when in fact he was robbing the school district blind almost from day one. That is incredible that they would, you know, I, I wouldn't agree with it in any case, but if there's a base pension that you don't lose is one thing, but to have a pension based on money that you stole and, 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 and earned uh, fraudulently is incredible. Well, welcome That's to New incredible. York. Listen, I mean, yeah. um, so I'll move on to another angle on this, which is, uh, although this is in Roslyn, Long Island, it's not like uh, this superintendent or this story don't have a connection to our area. They do. Um, so Frank Tassone, uh graduated from Iona College. He went on to be an English teacher. He got a master's and doctorate from Columbia University from the Teachers College. And then he became a principal at, uh, as we call it, Mahopak, right? Mayopak for the uninformed, but as they say up there, <laughs> Mahopak, uh, where he was a principal. And then he went to uh, Levittown, where he became assistant superintendent of instruction. And then he went to Rhineck. So he was up in Mamaroneck. He was superintendent in Rhineck for about three years, uh, up until 1992, when he went out to Roslyn. Interestingly, when they asked the then superintendent at Levittown about Frank Tassone, 
Uh, he said he couldn't disclose the circumstances surrounding his departure because of the confidentiality issues. <laughs> so uh, that's not a surprise. Oh I will also tell oh you that God. after the story broke, uh, Ryan Eck um, actually uh, hired a, an, an auditor uh, to come in and look at what had happened uh, when, when Tassone was there. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, the superintendent, who was there for years, Dr. Peter Mustich was the Reinick superintendent for, I think, 25 oh. years. Um, wow. He concluded, well, nothing really bad happened, as he put it in the Times, nothing significantly out of line. And uh, the district's prompt examination of Tassone's expenses while in Reinick should, quote, allay any community concerns. Okay, and I want people to consider that because you got to understand something. Uh, first of all, Peter Mustich was the school business official under Frank Tassone at Rhineck. So if there was things out of line when Tassone was there, it would be Mustich who would have been responsible as the school business official for catching it, and apparently he did not. Okay, but the community you know, let's say in Rhineck, here's, oh, they did an investigation. There's nothing really going on. Dr. Mustage tells us it's all fine. Well, who are you asking? I mean, it's, it's like asking members of the mafia whether or not one mafia member stole money. I mean, you know, they're all part of the same consortium. They're all part of the same associations. They're all part of the same, you know, there's a school business official union. There's a superintendent's union. Um, you know, they're all licensed by New York State. So the idea that you're going to rely on one of the made men or women from this organ from this group statewide to tell you what's really going on in the district is ridiculous. I mean, the guy in Long Island, the Levittown, won't say anything. Mustach says everything's fine. Of course, they're not going to say anything bad about a fellow, a school superintendent. Uh, they never do. That's just the nature of how the game is played. However, the audit did show that uh, while Tassone was there, the district hired a company called Word Power, and they paid them somewhere around uh, $23,000, okay? And uh, at the time the audit happened, they didn't really know much about uh, this company, Word Power. But if you watch the movie, you'll find out that that's actually the linchpin of the case against Frank Tassone that what word power really was, was a, really a sort of a fake company. I mean, apparently they did a little bit of work. They basically printed pamphlets and things like that for school districts, but really just ones that Frank Tassone worked at. They didn't have apparently any other customers. And um, the owner of the company was uh, Stephen Signorelli, who was the spouse of Frank Tassone. They lived together in an apartment in Manhattan. And the office address of Word Power was their apartment. And they also later found that money was being moved from the company directly into Frank Tassone's personal accounts. He was also moving money from there into his sister's accounts. Um, so Word Power was basically a vehicle through which Tassone embezzled money. And to discover that this company was doing work in Rhineck and it was $23,000 over three years, and then that's dismissed by the Rhineck superintendent at the time, 
uh, you know, just shows you the nature of, of how this kind of corruption works, which is. Let me ask you something. Why would, would he look the other way? Because it would be a besmirch on the district. I mean, why not just out it? You'd be a hero. We, one of our employees did this. We, we catch them. We fire. We caught him. Catch them. We caught him. We fired him. And we've turned it over. You're to talking the about in Roslyn or you're talking about in Rhineck? In Rhineck. Well, in Rhineck, they didn't catch him. Okay, he was, he had been gone oh, okay. for but, over ten years at that point. It's they only did an I, audit when okay. when uh, the Roslyn uh, when he when he was when basically he was arrested <laughs> in Roslyn. They decided to look God, back at God. his record in Rhineck, and they they actually did find things. So one was invoices for um, this company WordPower for twenty three thousand dollars. Let's just, it, it's safe to assume that all or almost all of that money just went directly to Frank Tassone, okay, that and his, and his spouse, okay, boyfriend, whatever you want to call it. They weren't legally married, according to the movie and the articles I read, they weren't legally married, but it came up because the guy didn't want to testify against his boyfriend, so he claimed spousal privilege, and there was a whole, you know, debate about that at the time, but... Um, Got it. But in addition to the twenty-three thousand, they also found another a number of other things that the guy had expensed, um, which appeared to be, according to the superintendent, the auditors double dipping because he was getting uh, various things like a transportation stipend, and yet he was charging back car services. Well, if you're getting a car already, you know, getting a, a money for a car, and then you choose to take a car service, well, then you pay for it out of your stipend. You don't then charge the district in addition. So you're getting your transportation covered and you're also sending in invoices for transportation. It's a form of double dipping. There was probably 20, 30,000. Now, by the way, that's what the superintendent was willing to share with us about an audit that, as far as I know, was never made public. Maybe it was, but um, we've seen this many times where the school district and their the board and their attorneys bring in friendly people who will audit in a certain way and friendly can mean friends of the family friendly, or it can mean just these are companies mm -hmm. that make their living uh, doing work for school districts. So they're not going to be in the habit of making a school district look really bad. Right. And we saw that with the Apex investigation. They brought in TNM protection. And we now know, and the district has basically admitted as much because they did a second investigation that the first investigation was a whitewash. Okay. They were brought in by the law firm, Jeff Kale and his crew, which basically were, you know, uh, operating, I think, in, a, in an unprofessional manner, let's be polite, uh, in dealing with the district for a long time. And uh, anyway, so so point is that this guy's career actually touches on on our area. In fact, um, the I mentioned that uh, the school business officials niece uh, worked for the Roslyn School District, and at the time that all the arrests were occurring, she was living in Mamaroneck. So Mamaroneck, Rhineck, you know, Iona College, um, this, you know, uh, apple didn't fall far from the Sound Shore tree. That's interesting. Now, you mentioned, Bob, and again, we're talking with Bob Cox, the managing editor of Talk of the Sound, considered the source since 2008. You mentioned things that were going on in Roslyn at that time. Why didn't the board, what was the role of the board and the community that must have had quite the tax bill? Uh, yeah, so there was this, um, 
I mean, basically the school board was, uh, and, and the whole community was uh, really happy with this superintendent because he was giving them what they wanted. They were um, seeing improving test scores. Um, they were seeing um, uh, better college acceptances, uh, increase in, in sort of uh, vanity type programming in the schools, for example, adding foreign language programming for elementary school all the way down um, to the kindergarten level. Um, there was all sorts of things that the community liked, and they certainly liked the fact that, that they were getting good results. And in the movie, they say they were ranked number four in the country. They don't really explain based on what were they number four. Actually, there was a Wall Street Journal article that said that they were the sixth best based on a metric they came up. But there's no, you know, uh, AP poll for high schools, right? Like we have for college football or, or college basketball. So, mm -hmm. you know, but they, the point was they were very highly ranked school program. And so the people in the community were more than happy to uh, support ever increasing property taxes and, um, you know, uh, chose not to notice that a guy that they had hired for, I think it was like 115,000 a year, um, kind of overweight guy, um, not particularly fancy person, all of a sudden is sporting $1,000 suits and driving a Mercedes and uh, the district actually paid over $50,000 to a diet doctor so the guy could lose weight, which was charged back to the district. And uh, he basically transformed his whole, you know, persona, uh, you know, during the time he was there. And, I, you know, people said in retrospect, they thought maybe something was wrong, but nobody said it at the time. Um, they just, you know, were thinking... Uh, he sort of deserves his success and we're happy to support it. And if he wants to flash the money that we're giving him around, you know, so be it. Uh, apparently it didn't occur to anybody that that was not the money they were paying him. He's flashing around. It was the money he was stealing. <laughs> he was flashing around. What, what, what's interesting here, Bob, did he, in, in effect, did, did, was his success, that he clearly hid behind was it genuine or was he cooking the books that way as well no 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 of... no the, by 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 all accounts i read i mean he had you know that's, that's sort of the irony right he had done a good job in adding these programs and improving uh, outcomes i mean let, let's be clear he's not this is not mount vernon that's what's interesting okay i mean yeah. it's it was already a successful school where most of the kids are white and most of the kids are affluent and, uh, you know, the kids were already doing pretty well. But, uh, you know, he definitely improved all that. And then the point that gets made in the movie over and over again um, is that because of his success, property values in Roslyn had increased dramatically. So therefore, everybody in the community was benefiting. Whether you had kids in the school or not, your houses were, you know, your home was worth more. And oh, yeah. there's a scene, and it's really important. So, and this this did happen. So the school business official's name is was Pamela Gluckin. Okay, so uh, I'm going to call her Pamela because she's been married a bunch of times. And she's got multiple names, so it gets a little confusing. But the school business official um, got caught. Um, the way she got caught was she was having 
home improvement uh, done on her property, uh, and uh, which she had three, but she was doing one on um, a summer house out in the Hamptons that she owned, which, by the way, should have been a tip-off. That <laughs> school business official has three homes is a red flag, right? Um, but anyway, she decided That's to hire... She decided to hire her son. Her son then drove around the area of Roslyn buying up supplies and equipment to do the work at the house. And it caught the attention of the manager at the store that this guy was spending large sums of money on a district credit card. And then the stuff he was buying was being shipped out to the Hamptons. So why would... Rosalind School District be buying supplies, and the nature of the supplies were that they were home improvement items. They weren't, you know, like for a commercial building like a school district. So um, the per, the manager at Home Depot reported that to the school district. That led to an investigation that Pam Glucken had given her uh, son, who had a different last name from a previous marriage a district credit card. It turned out later that over a hundred people had been given these district credit cards and were running up all sorts of uh, different charges. Um, but this is what kind of um, caused the, you know, the, the thread to pull from the sweater because when this guy got caught, then they went through and looked at the records. The auditor, as you mentioned, the outside auditor went through and found about $250,000 unaccounted for. Um, and then she was confronted and she was forced to resign and, and that was considered the end of it. Okay. Now in a, in a scene in the movie, which is, um, consistent with, uh, some interviews I saw with people, uh, over the, you know, at the time. And then more recently as the movie came out, um, that, uh, you know, it was the superintendent who went to the board and said, listen, we can't report her to the police. We can't f afford to have this kind of a scandal because what's that going to do to the perception of this school, of the school district? What's this going to do to how Ivy League universities view Roslyn? Will they start, you know, passing on on Roslyn kids? What's that going to do to property values? You know, you all own homes here. You, you have do. kids in the school. You know, aren't you concerned? You, know, you want your kid to go to Harvard. You want your house to sell for a million dollars. You know, don't do this. Okay. Then they were concerned that, um, and this is in the movie, but it's in real life too. The board was concerned that they had a legal obligation to report it. And you might think that, Bob, because it's taxpayer money. Um, oh, yeah. But the lawyer who came in said, oh, no, no, you, under the law, a victim of embezzlement is not required to press charges. Okay. What the board didn't know was that that was not their regular attorney. It wasn't an attorney that their attorneys found for the district, who was basically a criminal attorney. Uh, it was an attorney that uh, Frank Tassone procured himself through a friend to come in and give the opinion he wanted which is, no, you don't have to report this. So the board opted not to report it. She was not pursued criminally. They made a deal with her that she would resign and she would pay back the money immediately, which, of course, she was able to do because she had been stealing millions for years. So coming up with $250,000 wasn't such a problem for her. But that happened. And then the idea was, OK, that's the end of it. OK, OK. 
that we had this rogue employee who got caught and uh, she's paid back the money and she's resigned and, and all the rest. Well, what nobody on the board chose to appreciate was that Frank uh, Tassone, the superintendent, um, actually had an ulterior motive for getting them to stop the investigation right then and there, which is that it would have shown that he himself had stolen $2 million. And he didn't want that for obvious reasons. So the board went along and it's, it's, it's a kind of a point of the film and it's, you know, forgetting about the dramatic underpinnings of this particular narrative with Rosalind, um, it does highlight what the issue is, especially in suburban school districts like New Rochelle, like Mamaroneck, like Roslyn, is the people in the community don't want bad news. They don't want accountability. That's so true. Okay. So they're willing to basically look aside at anything. And that's how I would bring it back, if I can, to my experience uh, over the past 12 years here in New Rochelle, right? Which is... I brought up all manner of, of corruption, of embezzlement, of fraud, okay, and worse, okay, including sexual assault. And time and time and time again, the school board chose to cover it up. And this movie gives a very good explanation of the mindset of how board members think and the pressure they're under from their friends and neighbors and people in the community not to do anything to harm home values and people like Frank uh, Tesson know full well that that's how these people think, and they exploit that. So that's exactly what this guy does. He preys upon their weakness. Their weakness is fear for their children's future and getting into good colleges and the value of their homes. And he um, basically uses that to get Pam Gluckin kind of off the hook, not, not to go to jail, and also stops the investigation cold before it can lead back to him, okay? And in the movie, you'll also see he, bring, he brings in a compromised auditor to look at everything. One of the things that, that I'm learning from this, from this conversation, from reading your uh, outlet for 15 years, is do we really, do board, do board members really understand what they're, what they're responsibilities are? Do they understand that they have a fiduciary role? Do they understand really what they're, and I know they go through a simple class, but do they really understand what their responsibilities are? It seems quite frankly like amateur. Every time we, we go over one of these stories, do they not care? Or, what, what am, or well, they just do not understand the gravity of their responsibility? Well, I, I, I'll relate it back to the movie because people can watch that. And again, it's movies are not real life. But the dialogue that's in that movie, from what I read of the screenwriter, who, by the way, was a middle school student in Roslyn at the time that Frank Tassone was arrested and grew up there. And that's why he, he wrote this movie. He interviewed a bunch of people that were involved with the school district in various levels at the time. And so the dialogue that's going on uh, in the film you know, while it's scripted and it and, and its entertainment um, is based on truth that you know anybody in a suburban school district can easily recognize, which is, hey, you know, initially they're all saying, hey, she has to, you know, pay the price. She had we have to go to the police immediately. This is a criminal matter. Everybody really in the room wants to do the right thing, 
And then you watch as the superintendent says, well, you know, let's not be hasty here because, you know, what's that going to mean for the reputation of the school district? What's that going to mean for our high school graduates getting into good college? What's that going to do to your property values? And then one person says, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so quick to, to act. And pretty soon the whole room turns. OK, so, again, that's for dramatic effect. But the point is that rings true to me, which is time and time again, in my experience, the board knows exactly what the right thing to do is. And I've talked to board members as things have come up and they are full of righteous indignation and they're upset about it and we're going to do something about it. But then they don't. OK, so to take, um, you know, uh, an example from a few years ago, I uh, was attempting to get records related to David Lacker's medical expenses. Um, he was the school board president at the time. He was ended up being on the school board for 25 years. And uh, I was stonewalled on getting those records for a couple of months. And then when I finally got them, uh, it showed that he was in debt to the school district for over $13,000 because he hadn't been paying for his medical insurance for eight months. Uh, we, we, we didn't hear, Bob, Bob, we didn't hear that amount. You might have been getting an incoming call. We didn't hear the amount. What was the amount? The amount of money was over $13,000 that he was in okay. debt to the school district. Um, and there was, uh, I obtained um, letters from the uh, school a business office uh, repeatedly requesting that he contact the, the school business office to make arrangements to pay the money and uh, letters to the effect that, that if he didn't pay it immediately, that they would retroactively cancel his insurance, meaning any expenses he had incurred during that eight-month period, uh, they would you know, go back to him. He'd have to pay for that directly with no insurance. But they never did any of that, Okay. By the time I got these records, um, remember they were stonewalling for two months, David Lacker had apparently gotten hold of some money and he had paid down the amount that he was owed so that when they finally released it, he was able to say, I, I paid this already. Okay, the board knew all that. They knew what the record said. Um, they are all complicit in allowing this guy to basically misappropriate $13,000 of taxpayer money um, while he's supposed to be having oversight over the school business official who was running, as I've written many times, a criminal enterprise masquerading as an educational institution where there was hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, going out the door to crooked contractors and to district employees who were getting massively inflated paychecks, including overtime that they never earned, um, and this was happening year in, year out. Okay. All that is described in this movie is happened in various ways in, in New Rochelle. But it's worse in New Rochelle in some ways because some of it included sexual abuse of children. Some of it included academic fraud. These are things that were never alleged in Roslyn. So I would say that in New Rochelle over the past uh, 12 years, not 15, but thank you, 12 years, um, you know, that the, 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 the level of fraud that I've exposed by myself has been far broader and involves all aspects of interaction between uh, employees and, and children and sex abuse to 
academic fraud on a massive scale like Apex to financial fraud involving all manner of employees, contractors. Um, and yet the school district itself has never been proactive in dealing with any of those things. They're all things that they reacted to because I exposed them. I've got another question for you. At 945, we're talking with Bob Cox, the managing editor and publisher of Talk of the Sound. We're talking about a movie that uh, he watched over the weekend called Bad Education, uh, but, but that really uh, sheds a light on uh, not just here in New Rochelle, but in suburban uh, school districts everywhere. How can the board itself get its hands on any money? I mean, they have oversight, but the money goes to the school offices. How could someone on the board spend money they should not have? Well, in Roslyn, um, board members were given things uh, by the superintendent, like laptops, for example. So the, they could, the superintendent or somebody could say, oh, yeah, here, you know, take this. Is that okay? Sure, it's fine. I can. I'm allowed to give you this four thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, the the superintendent can can give people stuff. The school business officials, so they can take stuff. In in the case of Lacker and his insurance, um, it's funny because when I was investigating that, it's because Lacker had told me that he was getting his medical insurance through the district, and I thought, aha, that sounds like that's illegal. It turns out it isn't illegal, actually. Um, the, uh, uh, it, it is legal for school board members to buy their medical insurance through the district with you know, the same plan that the other district employees have. Um, of course, they have to pay for it, and that was the difference. So I thought he was getting insurance that he shouldn't have been getting. Actually, he was entitled to get the insurance, but he just wasn't paying for it. In fact, uh, he had had the insurance for about two years and I think pretty much every month he was in significant arrears. But by the time I went to look for it, he was eight months in arrears. Now, Bob, you, you, know, you, you run your own business. You operate independently. So you know perfectly well if you have medical insurance and you don't pay the, the premium, they don't wait eight months to cancel your account. No. Okay. They cancel you like they 10 they days give you later. Like 30 days. And yeah, or they give you a thirty-day grace and you're dead. You're well, dead. and and often not even that. You miss a payment, they send you a letter saying that you're gonna your insurance gonna be canceled on the tenth. Okay, they don't float you for eight months. Okay, the state gets the money. The state insurance program gets the money. So what was happening was that the school business official at the time, John Quinn, was paying the insurance for lacquer and then asking to be reimbursed. That's not actually what's supposed to happen. He's just supposed to pay for his insurance. And then month in, month out, he wouldn't pay it. And later he claimed that uh, his business was suffering because uh, his law practice was suffering. Why? Well, because he was spending so much time on the school board. Well, nobody asked him to be on the school board. He chose to run. He stayed there for 25 years. And so this is also kind of typical mm. of the mentality like, uh, and it's kind of in the movie, too. Like, we're all underpaid. Therefore, we deserve some stuff, whether it's trips to Las Vegas or a new car or $13,000 in medical benefits that I don't pay for or whatever. Let, let, let's back up. What is, what is typical for a board? I mean, I mean, clearly they need supplies and things like that, meeting rooms or whatever. 
and I guess to attend maybe perhaps some sort of a class on budgeting or something, but typically what is allowed? Do they actually get a budget, a small budget? Well, the board itself has a budget, sure. And sure. They, okay. get, they get certain things from it. But even in recent times, that's been abused, okay? So, for example, a school board will get, as part of its budget, money allocated to go to conferences, okay? And that's considered part of the training and, and education of, of a school board member, okay? Mostly these conferences are like in New York City or they're in Albany, but occasionally they're in Orlando or Las Vegas or New Orleans or some convention city like that, okay? Um, but we just recently had fraud occur here with our last school board president, okay? Jeffrey Hasty uh, ran up large expenses on a district cell phone because he was using it to make personal calls both uh, within the United States and also from Europe, okay? And all this was documented, and uh, he, I confronted him about it at a school board meeting, and he became very argumentative and loud. He went on uh, another radio station you're familiar with and put forward a bunch of false statements and tried to paint it that, you know, basically a shoot-the-messenger thing. Um, but um, based on my reporting, the district did decide to do an investigation, um, I know what the investigation is going to show if they wanted to, okay, which is he ran up thousands of dollars in unauthorized charges. He himself went on the radio another station not long ago and said that he was told by the investigator that he was going to be required to pay back uh, somewhere around $150. I forget the exact amount that, that he said on the radio. And he kind of laughed it off like, what's the big deal? Well, First of all, he's admitting it's more than zero. <laughs> so right there, he committed a crime, and he's admitting it on the radio, okay? But I don't know that the investigators would have told him how much money he's going to owe without telling the board and without actually filing a report. So there's no reason to believe anything about what he said. Now, what's troubling about that is not only did he run up these unauthorized charges, okay, uh, and the number was a couple thousand bucks, all right, but... Uh, when he refused to personally pay for these expenses, which were personal expenses, okay, the district finagled the books to take the charge and apply it to the school uh, board's budget for conferences. That's how they actually booked the transaction in the school records that it came out of this line item in the budget that was meant for the board members to go to conferences. Well, that line item is not for board members to go to a cruise in the Mediterranean or go visit Morocco or go spend uh, weeks at a time with his girlfriend in Italy or travel through the airport in Turkey, which are all places that these charges showed up from. Therefore, them to go to actual conferences and learn about what they do as school board members and meet other school uh, officials. And they're supposed to be for education, not for people to go on personal vacations and travel the world at district expense, which is exactly what Mr. Hasty did. That just happened. That investigation, as far as I know, has still not been concluded. And he's never been, at this point, made to actually pay. I did foil for the records about did he make a payment? Did this happen? Nothing. Nothing happened. So you know, that was um, the, the, the most recent board president was engaged in fraud. And I'm, I'm saying that, Bob, to you knowing 
that if I were to say somebody was involved in fraud and they weren't, it would be actionable against me. He definitely committed mm -hmm. fraud. I have the records and he lied about it repeatedly at school board meetings and in the media. And he's admitted that, in fact, he was uh, found to have stolen about $130. But uh, I, I don't even believe that because why would an investigator tell a subject of an investigation something like that, but not actually tell that back to the board? So uh, and the guy has zero credibility anyway. But you know, these are not these things are not ancient history. This is a thing that's pervasive. We had one employee of the district who never worked any overtime, didn't even work the hours that he was required to work during the week. And yet every year for years, he got $30,000 a year to the penny, 30,000, a round figure in overtime every year. And when I asked about that at the time, the school business official was John Quinn. And he said, well, the amount of overtime depends on the amount of snow days and snow. Well, I went back and looked at the weather records and it showed a wide variability in the amount of snowfall and days that there was snowfall. And yet this guy was paid 30000 every year to the penny. So but why is that, that? But wouldn't that, but wouldn't that be, but wouldn't that be time cards with that, Bob? There, there should be a time card with the hours. Uh, did someone make some sort of a, I mean. Well, the person who was responsible for filing the time cards for the grounds person was the same person who was getting the $30,000. And he was giving them to a woman who was a notorious drunk who did whatever she told. And meanwhile, was also putting phony hours on for her own daughter and other people throughout the district. And what you'd find is that a lot of these people know each other, right? So to, to take it back to, to Rosalind, okay, uh, Pam Gluckin hired a woman named Deborah Regano to be the accounts payable clerk at the school district. Uh, Ms. Regano was uh, also ultimately uh, arrested and she, I don't remember the amount that she stole, but it was quite a bit of money. Um, you know, just think about that. If, if, if you're the school business official, okay, you wanna bring in highly compliant, similarly corrupt people, right? That you can trust, right? So you bring in your niece, you give a credit card to your son, right? This is how you take money out of the district. You, you build up a reliable network of people who are willing to do it. This is why the friends and family network is, is such an important uh, issue. We have to be very, very careful about who exactly is getting hired, especially when you're talking about people in position related to money. And I would say that the, it, it's, it's reasonable to say that the entire school business office uh, up until about 2015, and I'm talking about going back at least 20 years, was fundamentally corrupt. Fundamentally corrupt, okay? Because we know there was all sorts of fraud going on. We know that uh, uh, the head of, of Aramark in the school district, the director of, of facilities, was convicted. He just got out of jail in January uh, for bribery and kickbacks. One of the vendors was. They could have gone much deeper. I gave them information on over a dozen vendors. Um, you know, the reality is, is that you've had some charges that occurred, some money that was paid back, some of this was exposed. But when you look at the pattern, I've got two school business officials engaged in fraud and misappropriation. I've got dozens of district employees who are getting paid overtime that they don't deserve. Uh, and, you know, go on down the list. Then the academic fraud, which by the way, the academic fraud is done for financial reasons. People need to understand that. 
Okay, if you're the superintendent or you're the high school principal, you want to show that you massively increase graduation rates. That's why you commit academic fraud. That way, when you go try to get another job, you can say, oh, I took the graduation rate from 68 percent to 82 percent. What's what's the solution? I mean, we have new superintendents that come in. We have new boards come in. What is ultimately the solution? Whether it's out in 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 Roslyn, whether it's here in New Rochelle, whether it's up in Ryburg, what is the solution? Uh, <laughs> there's something that occurs to me, but it probably won't sound right. Right, but um, I'll say it in a nice way: get rid of the parents and get rid of all the homeowners. Eat the rich. Uh, you can't do that either. But you can't do that either. So okay, well then, the then, idea? then, then you're not going to get rid of the problem because people who are affluent, people who are in the real estate business, people who moved here to to raise their family, people who want to, you know, uh, put their kids into good schools, uh, they don't care about financial fraud. They don't care about sex abuse in the schools. They don't care about any of this stuff. They, they, they're going to be appropriately appalled when they find out about it. Oh my gosh. You know, gambling, gambling in the casino. Uh, yeah, they're going to say the right things when they're confronted with it. But the reality is they don't care. What they care about is the value of their home and they care about educational opportunities for their children. So as long as they feel that they're getting those things, they're not going to say anything. I mean, I have been routinely uh, and viciously attacked to my face online and all other ways um, because I'm hurting the school district by exposing what's going on here. Okay. In the beginning, I would say for the first three, four, five years, it was uh, these things aren't true and you're making them up because you're angry and you're a disgruntled parent and you have an agenda and you want to do, you know, whatever. It took a while, but over time, that kind of went away because people recognized that these stories were true. People were being arrested uh, and other people were being fired. Um, so I don't get that as much, but I still get the idea that, uh, especially from people like on the school board, that I'm damaging the reputation of the school district and that's hurting the community and uh, people in charge, whether it's in the city government or the school district, anybody involved in the payment or collection of taxes doesn't like my reporting. Okay. So, um, yeah, my answer to that is very simple. If you would run a clean shop, I'd have nothing to report. Well, I, I, and that's, you know, this is to be continued because I can't help but think that the proper people at the top, the proper people on the board, will can would, would 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 strive to keep these kinds of problems at bay. I mean, I really want to believe that. But what I'm hearing you say is, so long as parents and the real estate community push back, uh, it's going to be a very difficult thing to do. Well, why would you say if you're 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 stating that like they're two different things? Okay. People on the school board are property owners. Some people involved in the mm. school district are in the real estate business. And uh, many of the people involved uh, have their kids in the public schools. So it's not us or them. It's the same thing. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I just look, it's not like this is ancient history. Okay. Right now we have a situation going on with the food distribution. Okay. And 
I find it highly plausible that there is significant fraud occurring in the food distribution. Now, we saw a case down in Florida where people were collecting the food and then reselling it online. Okay. I have no, I have no mm -hmm. doubt that, that, that there is food that is being provided uh, by the school district or by other organizations like Feed Westchester, and it's going out the back door. I have no doubt about that. Why do I think that? Because number one, I know some of the people involved. And number two, there's no controls. They're not even keeping track, uh, not only of, of who came to pick up food at a particular location, they're not keeping track of that information across locations so that one person could go to six locations a couple of times a day. So imagine I, I wrote about this. If, if you, uh, you know, put four people in a car and spent less than an hour to drive to the six locations and you do that at nine o'clock in the morning and you do it at 12, 1230, okay, you can uh, pick up 960 meals. Now, because no one's asking any questions, you can go pick up four bags per person, 16 per car, twice a day, 30, you know, uh, it adds up to be quite a bit of money, okay, which you can then sell. Oh, I and do I think that there's people, do, 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 do I think there's people that would do that? Sure. And they don't have to be even from New Rochelle. Somebody could drive here from Bridgeport or, or the Bronx or Poughkeepsie and pick up all this food and then and bring it back to where they're from and sell it. Put it online, like they were doing in Hillsborough County, Florida. So I suspect that this fraud is pervasive. It's persistent. Stop, my friend, we are out of time. Wow. Bob Cox, thank you very, very much. Bob Cox, managing editor and publisher of Talk of the Sound, considered the source since 2008. Thank you very, very much. And he'll be with us again next week and soon his new show. Let me, uh, let me also add, if, if I... That slams the lid on things for today, folks. I want to thank our guests. One, two.